Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Hello, everyone. It is August 16th, 2016, and you are listening to Locked On Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Philip rossman Reich. I am the editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com, and we have made it to the end of preliminary play at the Olympics, and so I'll discuss that in just a little bit. But a quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes. Get us downloaded directly to your audio-enabled listening device. You can also find us on Audioboom and Stitcher. I know that uh, someone had asked me about uh, downloading it directly uh, without iTunes. Stitcher would probably be your way to do that, uh, although I'm sure there's a way to do that through Audioboom as well. If you have any problems with the podcast, please let me know. I do want to make sure I do some uh, some quality control and... Uh, and uh, make sure you those who want to listen to the podcast can as well. Uh, also, I'll, I'm on the lookout for theme music as well, so I'll be hopefully making some cosmetic changes to the podcast. Coming up on today's episode, it is all about Nikola Vucevic and how he can take his game to the next level. I know I have been something of a critic of Vucevic's. I've been talking a lot about the potential trade possibilities when it comes to, when it comes to Vucevic and comes to uh, where the Magic go at the center position, uh, uh, like I'll say plenty of times, I'm sure, I do believe he will be the starter uh, not only on opening night but for the, at least the beginning stretch of the season be given that opportunity. And so I want to talk how can he reach that next level, which, which he obviously needs to reach to continue being a successful starting center in the NBA. So we'll talk about that over the next half hour or so. But first, we do need to talk a little bit about the Olympic basketball tournament and the stunning victory last night by Croatia over Lithuania. Truly a a, a really impressive performance from Croatia. They made 9 of 11 three-pointers in the first half, took a, I think it was a 20-point lead at one point in the third quarter. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on how to pronounce his, his first name, uh, but uh, uh, Krunislav Simon was really great uh, getting into the paint, uh, making three-pointers, uh, dishing the ball out sometimes wildly, but dishing the ball out and getting it out to the perimeter where Croatia was just on fire. And that included Mario Hazonia, who made two of his three three-pointers, uh, ended up shooting two for four for the game, scoring six points all in the first half. Uh, again, he... I would say this about Mario Hazonia. I know, you know, we're all probably a little disappointed that he isn't doing more for Croatia, that he isn't more involved with the team. Uh, but for the role that he's being asked to play, which is essentially to be a, a spot-up shooter, spread the floor, he has been fantastic. He entered the game shooting 8 of 16 from beyond the arc, ended up shooting 10, uh, so now he's, what, 10 of 19 so he's shooting better than 50% on three-pointers. That is a very, very good sign. I thought something that happened last year was he didn't quite, uh, he wasn't quite as effective from the three-point line as as we all thought he could be. I mean, I I, I, I think I said this to people, uh, I don't think he's as good of a shooter as he was advertised for. So to see him get back to shooting comfortably, I mean, I know the FIBA line is shorter than the NBA three-point line, 
But to see him shooting comfortably and confidently is a very, very good sign. And if, if there's anything to take away from this tournament, it's that Hazonia has that shooting swagger back. Uh, I, I think that that is a, a big, big thing for Hazonia entering this season. Like I said, like we like I discussed on yesterday's podcast, I, I wrote a little column about it yesterday as well on Orlando Magic Daily. Um, the the Hazonia, you know, question about what would have been better for his development. Yeah, I'd like to see him on the ball a little bit more. Uh, I'd like to see him develop those skills a little bit more. And I thought this was a big summer to do that. But for what he's being asked to do, he's doing a good job, and I think that's what's most important. Uh, He's not always going to score the most points. He's not always going to get shots. And you can tell he's a little frustrated by that. When he gets the ball, he wants to shoot it. And, you know, Croatia's done a good job getting him the ball in positions where he can take shots and take threes, but he's not putting the ball on the floor. I think he had one move last night in transition where he got to the rim and missed a layup. That was good. And I like that he was able to get all the way to the basket. He's had some moments where he's been able to show that, but they've been few and far between because Croatia's just not a running team. And and like I've kind of said, I think is really good in transition, and I think... That's the way the Magic are going to use them that Croatia is not. So, again, a really impressive performance from the Croatian national team. Uh, they were able to win Group B with the victory. They, they entered the day, like, they entered the day in, I think, fourth place. They could have, they could have been out. But with the results and, and a crazy day in Group B, they ended up winning the group. Uh, so they advanced to play Serbia on Wednesday night at 9.15 p.m., I, be- I, don't- I believe that game is going to be on the uh, Olympic Basketball Channel. I haven't checked that one yet, uh, but should be a, a big, again, it's a humongous game for Croatia. They, they haven't medaled since 1992, uh, so they're definitely looking to-, to-, to do something that they have not done in a very, very long time, and Serbia is certainly a team they can beat. We saw them play Team USA, uh, very, very tough. And so, you know, they're going to have to contain Milos Teodosic. They're going to have to uh, deal with Nikola Jokic. They, they don't have quite the size that, that, that I, think, I think you'd want, although um, uh, I'm blanking on, his, on the center's name now. Um, although they've gotten some good play from the inside. Uh, but it's all going to come down to their guards. Are they going to be able to move the ball well? Can they play through Dario Saric instead of through Bojan Bogdanovic? When they play through Bojan Bogdanovic, they struggle because he tends to the ball tends to stop with him and he tends to play isolation ball. When they play through Saric, Saric gets the ball moving. He's able to to get into the paint and and he's not always looking to score, but he but he can. I mean, Saric has been very very impressive throughout the Olympic tournament uh, as has several players for Croatia. This is just a very I mean, frankly, uh, as frustrated as we've all been, this is a very strange team. They're a very talented team though, and that's clearly been shown through their three and two record and and winning. Group B. So on to the knockout stage. Uh, they'll play Serbia on Wednesday at 9.15. The U.S. is set to play Argentina. That's right, USA-Argentina in the quarterfinals. That is a 5.45 tip-off. I am sure that game will be on NBCSN uh, or USA uh, in the United States. So be sure to check those games out. Should be a lot of fun. Wednesday is going to be a very, very fun day of basketball. Starts early in the morning, I think at 10 or 11 a.m., uh, four really, really good games. Uh, France Sp- France is playing Spain, I believe, in one of the games. And then the other game is Lithuania versus Australia. So should be four fantastic games. Even the U.S., I'm I'm not 100% sold that the U.S. is going to beat Argentina. That's, that's not going to be an easy game, and it's not an easy road because if the U.S. wins, they play the winner of Spain-France. So they have the hard road getting to the final, but they've got to uh, 
to, to get there too. So let's move on to our main topic of the day, and that is Nikola Vucevic. He has been perhaps the most divisive, most talked about player on this Magic roster, and for good reason. He's clearly a very, very skilled player, and, and I don't want to take that away from him. He has been the Magic's most consistent offensive player for the last four years. He's been uh, the closest thing they've had to an all-star. You give him the ball, you know he's going to probably make the right play and probably score. Uh, he's, he's that efficient, and he's that, that strong. Looking at his raw stats, they're pretty good. 18.2 points per game last year, and 8.9 rebounds per game. Those were both down, but slightly from the previous year, 19.3 points, 10.9 rebounds per game. He shoots better than 50%. He's a really good mid-range jump shooter for a, for a center, especially. Uh, and he just has a, a, he's just able to put the ball in the basket, and that is valuable. So don't get me wrong. That is very valuable for the Magic. But it always seems like there's something more Nikola Vucevic can do. And that is, especially considering, that is especially considering what he gives on the defensive end. Vucevic is not a good defensive player. He hasn't been throughout his career. Looking at his defensive box plus minus, he's always been slightly above average. Uh, But last year, two years ago, he was below average, barely. He was about an average defensive player. Uh, but last year, was his 1.1 defensive box plus minus was, was his second lowest of his career, tied with his rookie year. So while he didn't prove somewhat defensively, he wasn't quite what he was defensively the year before. And defensive box plus minus isn't everything, mind you. His 2.4 win shares were the lowest last year. His 2.4 defensive win shares were the lowest last year since his rookie year. Those numbers aren't everything. Defense is very hard to quantify, so you don't want to fall completely in love with his numbers. But when you watch Vucevic, you see a guy that that is trying. It's not that he isn't trying on defense. You see a guy that struggles, that that doesn't really have the athleticism to, to protect the rim, doesn't have great foot speed or lateral quickness to stay with guards. Uh, and, and recover to his man. You see a guy who isn't able to hedge successfully on pick and rolls. Vucevic essentially doesn't do a lot of the things that the modern center needs to do. And then when you flip it back onto the offensive side of the ball, Vucevic tends to settle for mid-range jumpers. That's just, I mean, I think that's just the fact. He's such a good mid-range jump shooter. He'll sometimes... He'll sometimes just fall into that trap of taking taking shots instead of getting to the basket, getting in the paint. So for this half hour or so, I guess next 20 minutes or so, I want to talk a little bit about Vucevic and what he can do to get to the next level. And I'll start on offense. When it comes to Nikola Vucevic and his offense, the big thing to me is varying his shots. Vucevic is clearly a very, very skilled offensive player. He's, he, I mean, again, his skills are off the charts. He's a great post-up player. He, he can face up. He can step out and hit the jumper. Uh, he's good on the offensive glass when he's near the basket. I mean, it, it's, he's got a lot of the tools. 
And sometimes you find when guys have all the tools like that, they favor what they're comfortable with. And, not nece- and, 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 and it's not that they can't do the other things. They kind of choose to do something that's more comfortable. And so the question is, did Vucevic, has Vucevic gotten too comfortable with certain things, with certain uh, playing styles? We talked about his, his scoring average, and Vucevic, a part of that may have very well been, both his rebounding drop and his scoring drop, may have very well been he was moving further away from the basket. According to basketballreference.com, last year he took 8.8 jump shots per game. That's up from 8.2 jump shots per game in 2015. Vucevic can hit those jumpers and hit them at an effective clip. But as Zach Lowe of Grantland wrote in, in his big piece about the Orlando Magic this summer, a lot of defenses were giving Vucevic that shot. They'd rather give him that shot than a post-up and keep the paint packed. They didn't mind him rolling and taking those mid-range jumpers. So, when you look at Vucevic in the post, last year, according to NBA.com player tracking stats, he had 6.9 post touches per game. 3.8 field goal attempts in the post per game last year. In 2015, they were 7.1 post touches per game and 4.0 field goal attempts in the post per game. Those numbers clearly indicate Vucevic is moving further away from the basket. He's moving... He's settling for jumpers, essentially. And that hurts the Magic. Now, it may not hurt the Magic as much this year. With with Vucevic, with, with Serge Ibaka now, with Bismack Biombo now, Nikola Vucevic hanging around the basket may not be as important. And so maybe him taking all those jumpers will be better, will be what the Magic need. Let's say the Magic run a lineup with Ibaka and Vucevic. And, and the thing I like about an Ibaka-Vucevic lineup offensively is that both can step out and hit jumpers. And doing that means you can, you, you can play a lot of high-low, and especially since Vucevic is such a skilled passer. And, and, and he is a really skilled passer. It's not something I talked about enough. Uh, he had a 15.9% assist rate in that last year was one of four centers in the league that were minutes per game qualified to have an assist rate greater than 15%. Again, Vucevic has all the offensive skills you could want in a center. He's a good post-up player. He's a good shooter. He's a good passer. He knows how to make the right plays. But oftentimes, it's doing what's best for your team. And, 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 the, and if Ibaka's hanging around the perimeter a lot, he needs to go into the post. If Ibaka and Gordon are in, perhaps, maybe Vucevic and Ibaka stay on the perimeter and Gordon kind of plays the nominal center hanging around the basket. Vucevic certainly seems willing to sacrifice some stats for his team. And the Magic know they'll have to use him. He's going to be a consistent and reliable offensive player. So the Magic will help Nikola Vucevic get to the next level. On offense, at least. 
And he's certainly capable of doing that. So it'll be interesting to see how Vucevic continues to develop. Is his is his play going to bring him closer to the basket, where he, he's still very, very effective? Is that what the Magic are going to need? Can Vucevic improve his jump shooting enough to really make that a weapon and make that a primary weapon at that? That's another good that's another big question for for this team and for Vucevic. But overall, I think the way the Magic use Vucevic is going to be very very interesting and going to be very very important for for the team. They've got to make sure they're using him effectively within the lineups that he's playing in and he's got to make sure he accepts the role that he's given. If he's coming in with the bench unit like we've suggested at various times this summer, He's going to have to be the primary scorer, and that means getting in the post a little bit more. And I'm sure he's going to be in some of those units without without Biombo or Baca. He's going to have to be the primary scorer, and that means staying in the post. Again, if he does all this, if he does all this, the Magic will be very successful, and so will Nikola Vucevic, and he will have a very, very good season. None of that may matter, though, if Nikola Vucevic doesn't take his defense to the next level. And that's probably been the big bugaboo and the big criticism when it comes to Nikola Vucevic. The play that sticks to my mind, and and it was something that continually came up throughout the year, uh, was that play from the beginning of the season, the very first game of the season, uh, John Wall's game-winning layup over the ma- over the Magic. They're running a simple pick-and-roll, maybe a little extended over the three-point line, and Alfred Payton gets caught in the screen, and Nikola Vucevic is sitting back as John Wall gets to full speed, coming right at him. I don't know what it is, whether it's a lack of trust in the guys behind him, whether it's lack of confidence in his skills to stay with someone on the perimeter. But it constantly happened where Nikola Vucevic hung back to catch players rather than hedging, rather than really trying to, especially in that situation with so little time remaining, keeping the guy out on the perimeter and pushing forward might have been the way to go, trying to trap that screen and get the ball out of Wall's hands and recovering. This play was, was an example of how so many times Vucevic was kind of caught in no man's land. So many times, and and this is what I mean by no man's land, so many times Vucevic would kind of half hedge or kind of nominally guard the point guard waiting for Peyton to recover, while his man stuck behind him, or while while he and not while he wasn't able to cover recover to his man, I don't know if that was Scott Skiles' responsibilities or or what the defensive scheme was. He did that a lot with under Jacques Vaughn too, and so Vucevic's inability to, to to kind of make a decision there was ex, was was par- example of of the struggles the Magic defense had throughout the season last year. 
fix that problem, and the Magic defense gets a lot better. And I think Vucevic did it earlier in the year more than he did later in the year. So, how does Vucevic get better on defense? The foot speed probably isn't going to get much better. He's not going to be a big rim protector. As Frank Vogel said when asked about Vucevic during his introductory press conference, or I think it was uh, during the Serge Ibaka press conference, you know, we believe he believes the Magic can teach him better positioning and better anticipation. And that will help. That will at least make him a better defender. But you can certainly see when he talks about for, about Serge Ibaka and the potential of a big rim protector like Serge Ibaka, gets a little bit more excited. He definitely feels, you know, Serge Ibaka is the kind of player that cleans up mistakes. Vucevic isn't that kind of player. Vucevic has to just get to his spot, and, and that was a big thing that Skyle said throughout the year, uh, that, that I think Vucevic even acknowledged, I have to get to my spots quicker. I have to beat the man to the spot. And that's always been a problem for Vucevic. That's always been his biggest thing on defense. He just can't get to the spots, can't get to the get back to the back to where he needs to be fast enough. It's going to be tough. And Vucevic has never really played with a rim protector before. So it's, we're still trying to figure out if adding Serge Ibaka is going to be enough to cover up Vucevic's defensive deficiencies. When he played with Dwayne Dedman uh, two years ago, the defense was very good. In 283 minutes together, they posted a 99.6 defensive rating as a duo. It was Vucevic's second best two-man unit defensively that season, the one ahead of it was him and Willie Green. So take that number with, with the grain of salt. And the Magic's offense went into the tank when Deadman was in. James Borrego in those final 30 games that year really focused, really put the focus on just packing the paint, playing defense, and the offense was whatever. It's just not his concern. This Magic team is going to be very similar. Serge Ibaka is probably a better defensive player than Deadman and certainly can play uh, the position a little bit better. So if the Magic return to that defensive strategy, perhaps this whole thing can work, and again, the offense just isn't going to be much of a concern. And, and, and perhaps Vucevic and Dedman are a better pairing. So it, there's certainly signs that could work. Last year, they only played 13 minutes together, so that's not enough to, to, to say anything statistically significant. Uh, but it's very unclear how the Magic would play or how Vucevic would play on defense, especially with a rim protector next to him. Signs point to it being a good thing. And of course, having a rim protector is a good thing. But it's very, very, un- it's very, very unclear, and especially if Vucevic has to play the five because he can't keep up with fours on the perimeter. Can Ibaka get to the lane and, and clean things up fast enough? With the way the Magic roster is constructed, and, and, and I've, I've, I've harped on this time and time again, the Magic are trying to be a top 10 defense. They know that's their ticket into the playoffs. And if they are a top 10 defense, they are more likely than not in. So the question then becomes, 
can Nikola Vucevic anchor a top 10 defense? Can Vucevic and Ibaka together, or Vucevic and Biombo together, give the team the defensive presence that it needs? And regardless of adding that rim protector and making the team better, Vucevic has to be better on defense. He has to trust his teammates more. He has to buy into the defensive philosophy. He has to get to his spots quicker and challenge shots at the rim. Vogel is, honestly, Skiles was a defensive coach. Say what you want about Scott Skiles, and the defensive improvement was cosmetic, I think, last year. It was better, uh, uh, raw number marginally, but within the rank of the NBA, it was much better. But this team's going for a defensive identity now. And if, if you can't play defense and you're a weak link in the defensive chain, it's going to be tough to justify having you around. And as good as Vucevic's offense is, the next level for Vucevic is making his defense the centerpiece to his play. So, I think Vucevic has a next level he can get to on the defensive end, and and a next level he has to get to. But, it's not going to be easy for him, and it's certainly going to be a a major storyline for the Magic throughout the season, whether he can get there or not, especially early. And we're going to know very, very early. I don't think this is something that's going to linger. We're going to know early, because this team is going for the playoffs. They are not messing around right now. So watching how Nikola Vucevic improves will be absolutely critical to the upcoming season. Please share your thoughts with me on on what I talk about on the podcast. Uh, Anything you want, please drop me a line. You can reach me on Twitter at OmagicDaily. That is the best place to contact me. You can also follow us on Facebook. Search Orlando Magic Daily uh, on Facebook. You can I post lots of fun links. I post lots of interesting links there as well as uh, uh, material that's on the site. If that's how you choose to uh, consume your Orlando Magic Daily, I'll post the podcast on there as well directly on the Facebook uh, for those that want to listen that way. Uh, you can also drop me a line uh, on email at omagicdaily at gmail.com if that's how you choose to communicate with me. Uh, I always want to hear from you. I always enjoy hearing from listeners. We, I do my weekly mini mailbag that will probably be on Friday this week, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, I'll also be doing a podcast with Orlando Magic Daily writer David Ivanovsky. We're going to talk a little bit about the schedule, about the perception of the Magic, and uh, the offseason, uh, because I'm, I'm always interested to hear what people have to say about the offseason as well. Uh, with that, I'm going to close the show for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Locked on Magic. We'll be back again tomorrow. See you then. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.